Welcome to Healthcare Hot Button Issues. I'm Harry Liu. In today's episode, we'll continue our discussion of Rosen Care. In the last episode, we compared and contrasted Rosen Care and Heaven Healthcare. In the last three decades, Rosen Care has been able to offer quality care and spend 30 to 50 percent less on healthcare than the national average. So here is the Rosen Care's secret to success. Its savings are largely derived from two different sources, an on-site facility that provides comprehensive primary care and a narrow provider network. Rosen Hotels and Resorts owns the primary care facility. They are incentivized to perfect prevention, chronic disease management, and healthcare utilization monitoring. In the meantime, the company uses a really narrow network of providers. This enables them to gain an advantage in price negotiations with specialists and hospitals. All workers and their families have to use the on-site facility and the designated specialists or hospitals. Workers are not allowed to receive care outside the network without prior authorization. This is how Rosen Care provides quality care and saves money. In 2019, the school district of Osceola County of Florida hired Rosen Care to help manage the district's healthcare center. It seems the district wants to replicate Rosen Care's success, but this is the only example I can find in the public domain. Now the question is, why hasn't the model been widely adopted among employers? The answer lies primarily in two different things. One, how employers made a trade-off between provider network size and healthcare spending. And the second, the extent to which such a trade-off affects staff recruitment and retention in a competitive labor market. More specifically, three conditions may limit an employer's adoption of the exact Rosencare model. The first condition is that the employer hires predominantly lower-wage workers. For this working population, offering quality healthcare is challenging. For illustration purposes, we can define lower-wage workers as those whose earnings are at or below the 25th percentile, which is about $44,000 per year or $20 per hour. In 2021, the national average health insurance premium for family coverage was about $22,000. That is, providing an average level of health benefits would account for one-third of the total compensation of these lower-wage workers. In comparison, it costs only 18% of the total compensation of higher-wage workers. Here, higher-wage workers are defined as those with earnings at or above the 75th percentile, that is $99,000 a year. As a result, the burden of ever-increasing healthcare costs is especially heavy on employers of lower-wage workers. They are facing an increasingly tough decision about health benefits. The economics behind this is that one additional dollar of cash means more to lower-wage workers than that to higher-wage workers. We all have to buy essentials such as food, clothes, and housing. Unless there's an immediate need, healthcare is likely secondary to other essentials. For lower-wage workers, healthcare is competing with essentials for a limited budget. Therefore, lower-wage workers are more willing to accept a narrower provider network and more restrictions in healthcare. Sometimes they might even go without health insurance. Of course, this is a topic for another day. 
If they can find a job offering health benefits even with a very limited provider network, they are likely satisfied. The alternative for them to get healthcare is to enroll in Medicaid, which has many limitations too. On the other side of the labor market, employers of lower wage workers have to offer the right mix of wage and non-wage compensation to attract and retain talent. They can get rid of health benefits from the compensation package, but that might make them lose some productive workers who want health benefits. Actually, there is evidence that such employers drop health benefits when the minimum wage increased or use more part-time workers when an employer mandate was imposed. Some employers of lower-wage workers are even willing to pay a penalty under the Affordable Care Act because it is much cheaper than offering health insurance. So the ideal solution is to offer quality health care at a reasonable cost. That is what Rosencare model can do. By the way, Rosen Hotels and Resorts has a staff turnover rate of less than 15%, while the hospitality industry has a rate of 60 to 70%. The second condition is that workers are physically based in local area. One of the features of a Rosen Care model is that its on-site primary care facility serves all employees and their families. Employees have to be physically based in the local area, otherwise that's impossible. Apparently, a virtual company with employees all over the country is not going to make it work. The third condition is that the number of workers is not too small. In order to obtain a favorable rate for specialist care or hospital care, the employer has to have a fairly large number of workers. It is a numbers game. Rosen Hotels and Resorts has nearly 3,000 workers and 6,000 cover lives under Rosen Care. But it's definitely not the largest employer in Orlando, Florida. For example, Disney has nearly 60,000 workers. On the other hand, if an employer has only several hundred workers, it is very hard, if not impossible, to get a lower price from hospitals and physician networks. These are the three conditions that should be satisfied for an employer to adopt the exact Rosencare model. Of course, employers of higher wage workers can adopt the exact Rosencare model, but higher wage workers have the financial capability to afford more generous coverage in a wider provider network. Employers adopting the exact Rosencare model may lose their ability to attract and retain talent because other employers still have more generous health benefits. That being said, for large employers with higher wage workers, adopting some variants of the Rosencare model elements would benefit them financially. In the last decade, the insurance premium for family coverage increased from about $16,000 a year to $22,000 a year a whopping 41% increase, compared to a 21% increase in the consumer price index during the same time period. To bring down healthcare costs, employers can either reduce the size of their provider network or increase worker cost sharing. So far, it seems they have primarily relied on increasing cost sharing, particularly emphasizing high deductible health plans. Between 2013 and 2021, the percentage of covered workers with an annual deductible of $1,000 or more increased from 34% to 58%. But there is a price associated with higher cost sharing. Workers have difficulty understanding and navigating high deductible health plans, which have been demonstrated to reduce medical care, including both necessary and unnecessary care. Such behaviors may lead to an increase in healthcare spending in the long term. 
For some reason, employers have not considered narrow networks as much as they have used high deductible health plans. Even though prior research has shown that using a narrower network of quality providers can decrease costs significantly. At a minimum, I think employers could consider customizing their provider network for workers located in different geography areas. The other element of Rosencare model is on-site primary care. Different from narrower provider networks, on-site primary care has become increasingly popular, especially among large employers. According to a recent employer survey, about one quarter of large employers now offer on-site or near-site primary care. This includes all types of companies, for example, manufacturing companies such as light train machinery, trap bike, agricultural companies such as the Wonderful Company, large warehouses such as select Amazon worksites, or school districts such as Metropolitan Nashville Public School District. Unlike Rosencare, many of these on-site clinics offer mostly a convenience for workers. They do not offer comprehensive primary care, and they are not the only place that workers can get primary care. Several studies, including two studies that I did, show that on-site primary care can improve clinical outcomes and reduce health care costs. Although higher wage workers can bear more expensive health care, there is a limit how much they can bear. If hypothetically, health care costs accounted for 50% of their total compensation, a worker reward would not be surprising. But until that happens, more private insurance will be eroded over time. Something has to be done. No action is not an option anymore. Here are the takeaways. The Rosencare model offers many employees a way forward to deal with rising healthcare costs. It's certainly not designed for many employers, but it's a good option for those hiring a large number of lower-wage workers who are physically based in the local area. Nevertheless, for large employers of higher-wage workers, adopting some variants of the Rosencare model elements could generate savings. These savings can be used to either improve healthcare quality, increase wages, or offer other non-wage benefits. This will enable employers to be more competitive in attracting and retaining productive workers. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Please let us know the topics of your interest. I will see you next time.